listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries. This is episode five of the entrepreneurial series. I am back with Yasser Sakrani, who is the CEO of Microfarm, a specialist hospital pharmacist and a university lecturer. So today we're going to be talking about the early stages of entrepreneurship and kind of looking at some of the hurdles that we've come across, but also some of the success success stories um, along our journey. Um, and we've, we've both got really different success stories, which is really nice to share. So for me, I mean, the initial hurdle and is still a hurdle is time. Time is money. And I just feel like working full time, doing my parenting, traveling and trying to manage and run a podcast has been uh, very time consuming, but 100% worth it. And I think part of the reason why I've continued to maintain this podcast and I have 103 episodes to date is because I truly understand the value of what I'm bringing to the pharmacy community. And I believe in what it is that I'm providing to um, the pharmacy profession. And that motivation allows me to kind of keep going and plugging away with all the hard work that comes along with um, the entrepreneurial journey. And that, that's that been a, a massive kind of hurdle for me to navigate, as well as getting to the point where I'm cutting down on my pharmacist role and building what this business is going to look like. But I wouldn't probably be here um, unless I had... Um, the support from Sanjay, of course, like having a supportive husband who wants you to flourish in your career and all your creative endeavors um, is, I mean, a one in a million opportunity to have someone at home who's who's a podcaster and a videographer, photographer and content creator like I am. So amazing that we share this passion together. Um, but I also wouldn't be here if I hadn't invested in myself in terms of um, high performance coaching. So a couple of years back, um, I invested some money in some coaching with Dr. Nilesh Satguru, who is an amazing friend of mine, and started a group coaching uh, program. So this was a 12-week program. Um, I will link an episode of an old podcast where Sanjay and I talk very specifically about um, that high-performance coaching and how it impacted our lives. Um, But when I look at the nitty gritty of how that ran, so they were weekly um, live coaching sessions that were an hour and a half long for 12 weeks. And during those sessions, Nilesh would kind of choose one person or maybe I think it was two people actually that he would coach live within the group um, on different topics. So we looked at productivity, we looked at energy, we looked at performance, we looked at um Um, your value in terms of what it is that you're bringing to the world with whatever you're creating. So for me, it was the podcast and pharmacist diaries. And this is where my reflective journey with entrepreneurship started because I, I was so deep in journaling. He had all these amazing worksheets that we had to go through and answer a million and one questions. So this highlighted things that I needed to learn, problems that I needed to solve. Um, for a great example was energy. I 
I felt like I didn't have enough energy or I felt quite tired in general just by life. And I needed to figure out the steps that I needed to take to improve my energy levels, which would then allow me to be more productive as a human as well as a professional. Um, so things were um, that we looked at was my sleep. So doing my best to improve um, my sleep, we looked at nutrition and managing what I was eating and really diving deep into um, what I was putting into my body to allow my brain to function as well as it possibly can. Um, and part of that included, again, scheduling. Um, I would schedule a Sainsbury's delivery or an Ocado delivery every week and plan out my meals for my family and the lunches I would take to work like, again, this was a Monday morning, part of Sanjay and I's meeting would also be to look at meals for the week. And as a family, um, Liliana's now six, she would get involved with that because we would ask her, okay, well, you know, what meals do you want to eat this week? And she would have two or three choices because at the end of the day, I, the last thing I need at 7 p.m. is for my, or 6 p.m. is my child to be moaning about the food that's on the table um, when she's tired from school and, oh, I don't really feel like having your, your Buddha bowl tonight, mum. I really wish I had spaghetti bolognese. So that kind of navigated again um, the issues that we have with parenting and navigating having children in the house and giving them choices, giving them independence um, and helping them to be a little bit more independent as well and teaching them that, hey, you can create a timetable of meals for the week to to save you from opening the fridge and not knowing what to cook um, and then relying on junk food potentially or caving on a takeaway because you can't be bothered to do it. Um, so a lot of that coaching um, focused on where I was at in the moment and what I was doing with my routine, my scheduling, how I would use my time. So I looked at the sleep and the nutrition, uh, my physical activity, again, when it came to kind of scheduling we looked at where where were there gaps in the day where one of us could go and exercise so i combined my commute to work as a form of exercising so my train station is three miles from my house so I either walk it which takes an hour um, I run it which is 30 minutes or I take the bike which is 15 minutes and I have to do this I do not get the car even in the winter when it is freezing and pitch black and in the village that I live in you will see no one on the road so you kind of have to wear all your reflectors and, and, and light equipment so people can see you um, walking or running or cycling um, but I, I did that even throughout my pregnancy as well. Um, and that made a massive difference to me because I, it was a three in one. I commuted to work. I got from A to B. I um, did my physical activity and looked after my body and my mental health as well. And I always had a podcast or an audible book in the background. So I was educating myself. And this is something that I really, um, I think that I have a skill there and I've learned along the way that, hey, you can combine different activities to allow you to, to achieve your goals. And when it comes to time, um, we have to value this as content creators who are still working pretty much full time or parenting as well. Um, people always say, I don't have enough time to do what it is that I want to achieve. Um, so building a business while full time working just feels really, really hard. And people always say that you do so much and it's an inspiration, but how do you do it? And these are the kind of strategies that we use to transition towards getting to the point where we can cut down on our day jobs to allow us to kind of build a business. Um, 
I guess my point to you is that do you have any strategies that you've personally used that are potentially different to mine um, that have allowed you to build a massive following on social media? I mean, absolutely huge. Um, Create all this content for pharmacy students and trainee pharmacists to enjoy. Um, You've built your website, you've built a membership program. You are constantly on social media. You do loads of free webinars um, on clinical content that are amazing. You're attending conferences. You're doing speaking events. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Um, how how have you kind of transitioned um, in terms of managing your your time and, and valuing that as kind of money? Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I really want to remind you about the discount code that I have for thenakedpharmacy.com. As my listeners or viewers of the podcast, you'll receive a 20% discount using the code PD20. Both myself, my husband and my children are using the products and we're absolutely loving them. I really want to advocate for this brand because number one, it's owned and created by a pharmacist, Kevin Levers. He has over 35 years of experience working in the industry of natural medicines and has created his own company and provided us with so many different products to support our needs. For me personally, I absolutely love their gut health products, the magnesium for my sleep and Safrasan Energy. Because as a mum of two very young children, working full time and juggling the day-to-day life that I have, I really need that extra support to keep me energised and going throughout the day. I also wanted to let you know that if you're not sure where to start with your supplement regime, Kevin has a team of multiple pharmacists that you can either contact by phone, email or on social media to get some support on where to get started. Check out their website, The Naked Farm. Pharmacy.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Really interesting points there. And I think one of the most important aspects, which I initially wasn't going to speak about, is time. Um, but there's a lot that you can do in terms of seeing where you spend your time. Um, so you are right. Quite a lot of people um, that you speak to will say, I work full time. I haven't got the time to focus on my hobbies or carry out things with in relation to my hobbies. The main thing you can do with regards to that, and it doesn't take you that long, um, is to audit your time for an entire week. So it's something that I'm doing this week. So I, I actually check in with myself when I realize I'm actually wasting a lot of time. The best way to do that is to create, use your Google calendars, use any calendar that you typically use, but put down every place you spend your time. So make time blocks for where you spend your time. If you're watching Netflix, for example, put a time block for that. After a week, you'll realize that there's about 20 or 30% of activities that you do that could be replaced with more useful activities. That's that initial, that's where you can initially address that statement where you say I don't have time and you actually realize you do have time you just spend it on things that don't provide you much value um so those activities like when you mentioned before like watching Netflix two hours or three hours a day um those and I want to separate activities there are activities that you may feel are really necessary for you to relax there are activities the way you will admit to yourself they are unhealthy habits those unhealthy habits is are the things that you want to replace 
And the best quote, I can't remember where I've heard it from, there's a quote I had about what you define as productivity. Um, and uh, the person that I was listening to said, it's spending your time where you want to spend it. So looking at your timetable and saying, I actually didn't want to spend three hours on Instagram on and be slumped on the couch. If that was far more than you envisioned or planned, that means it's an unproductive, unhealthy habit that you can address. And by auditing your time, you can look at where you can focus on actually creating content. Um, you can have a thriving business alongside full-time work. It's not impossible. I've done it. And the reason why I could do it is because I look at where I'm actually spending my time and look at places where I can replace that with more productive, uh, more productive tasks. The other thing to address is the fact that and I say this a lot, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So the way you approach this entire process, don't think of it as I'm going to build a business or I'm going to build an empire. I'm Think of it as small tasks. I want to create content that's valuable for people. Start there and then focus on the other things later on. You don't need to address everything immediately. So that's something that's particularly important. And once you get to that stage, then there can be a, a you can reach a place where you can actually invest in yourself and that's where i'm at where i can say yes i could do all of these things and i could post all of this content daily or i could look to see if someone um, is a freelancer that can actually uh, upload my content and we can build a scheduling strategy where we address what we want to be what we want to post and i've got my content plan for the next 6 weeks with this it also means i'm paying money for this but now i'm at a stage where i could invest that so that means i've got more time for other things that are more important to the business you won't get there immediately there's 2 hours there was 2 years of me scheduling uh, scheduling and uploading and designing content myself but once you get to that stage, then you can start to invest in the business, invest in what you're creating. And then I went one step further with the microphone program where I realized I was initially teaching uh, teaching content that I'm confident in. So I teach in infection endocrine system and actually wouldn't offer anything else. And if, if you're risk averse and you don't want to invest thousands into this at the start, then start with the things that you're confident in. Teach the things that you're confident in. The, the money that you generate from these speaking sessions, you can then reinvest in bringing other people that are specialists in other areas to start teaching. So you don't actually have to be at a negative bank balance immediately. You can start providing the value that you can with the means that you have, and then use that money to reinvest into the business and now I have 16 content creators that can teach on different specialist areas and it's not just me. I love that and I love auditing your time. I think that is a massively valuable tip. Um, I actually do that on paper um, because I love the kind of visual side. I bought a monthly calendar as well that's printed out, um, which Sanjay and I use uh, when we do our weekly meetings. Um, but we also look at auditing our time from the point of view of goals. So you audit your time, you can see where 
gaps are which aren't filled and you're just kind of chilling at home you're scrolling on instagram um you could be chatting with family members that you live with or your flatmates or whatever it is um watching Netflix as we've come up with, because that's a common example of what people are doing in their spare time. Um, but we also look at, okay, well, these are the things that we want to do each week or each month. So I personally, uh, Sanjay very kindly got me a membership for the year to Champneys because we live in Tring. So uh, we have evening membership to Champneys where I can swim, which is a joy of mine that I absolutely love. Plus I get physical activity. I can do my yoga there outside of the house where it's a more quiet, uh, peaceful space away from my children. Um, they have water beds that I can lie on and read books. So in the evenings, we have to schedule um, twice a week minimum. I go to Champneys, but my ideal is three times a week, but I am actually genuinely struggling with three at the moment. So we look at where we can find those chunks of time to allow me to achieve my goals. Um, I also plan in one kind of social event for myself, like no kids, no husband. So this is where I'm meeting up with my girlfriends, like I'm doing stuff with colleagues after work, um, going out for dinner with, you know, family members. Um, I schedule that in once a month um, at a minimum so that I get that kind of connection piece, um, that networking piece, but just a space as well for me to not think about anything but joy and happiness and spending time with other people because this is really important to me as a person. So that's really important that you raise that because once you do have that calendar and you can see all that empty space or wasted space, you can then start filling that up with enjoyable things. And this could, even if it's not something that you kind of want to create, in terms of content creation or developing a, a business. It could be a hobby. It could be something that you haven't done in years, like playing the piano or learning a language or um, knitting or arts and crafts or writing a book. Like maybe you've got something that you want to share with the world and share your voice on a specific topic that you then have those kind of chunks of time that allow you to do that. So that's a really amazing point that you kind of put across, which makes me really happy. Um, I also wanted to kind of have a look at, um, I guess, our success stories as well along the way. Um, and one of the success stories um, which I wanted to share um, also aligns with um, the topic of transitioning into entrepreneur life is that try not to compare yourself to other people, which is so hard when you're on social media. Um, you compare yourself with other people in terms of how many followers that they have or how many likes that they're getting on their posts or how much engagement that they get through social media. So if you're providing a service or you're giving away content to people for fun in terms of your passion, enjoy what you're doing and find a topic that you do enjoy so much that you don't really care what feedback that you get. And I was like that with the podcast. I did not look at other people's kind of podcast numbers or the number of downloads. Like That information is really valuable for me now because I can see what content is interesting to people and what's not so much. And I can, it guides me in terms of what I'm providing. So a lot of people have reached out to me to say that, hey, we don't have, you don't have enough content on the industry. So I'm now trying to search for more industry pharmacists so that I can provide that content to my listeners. But I don't try to focus too much on the numbers, though they are valuable. If I get sort of one message per week that one of my episodes has inspired someone, motivated someone, given someone education that they didn't have before, or they genuinely laughed during the episode, um, especially Sanjay and I's episode, a lot of people comment how much fun that they had watching or listening and that 
it was like being a fly on the wall in our house. Um, you know, that's what brings me the joy and that kind of motivation to keep creating that content. And once you get to the point where you can monetize happy days, like, you know, it will come, but it is a marathon. Like you said, it's not a sprint. Um, so yeah, just having that awareness. So for me, um, in terms of successes. My first major kind of milestone was reaching 10,000 downloads. I was like, oh my goodness, literally 10,000 people have listened to me and, and my content. Like, I found that that was incredible. And that was within the first year of the podcast being um, launched. Um, and I also got to over a hundred countries, which I just thought was insane. I still think it's insane. I've got 115 countries of people listening to me and that just feels so odd. I mean, I've been to work, uh, last week and the week before we've got new resident pharmacists, new trainee pharmacists, and we also have had pharmacy students come through and there's been multiple people who have, um, hugged me and, feel like I'm famous and they get really excited. Are you Anisha from Pharmacist Diaries? And it feels so strange still um, to meet those people. But at the same time, they've given me a story. They've given me a specific episode that have that has helped them, whether that's during their student journey or whether it's when they started their trainee journey, they li listened to a couple of the other trainee pharmacists and it gave them a little bit of courage to say it's okay to feel confused in the beginning of your training year. Um, it's okay to not feel like you know what you're doing and you go from like student life to work life, which is a really difficult kind of change for them and adapting to that. And I just felt so happy that I've been able to help someone. So focusing on that and focusing on my value to my community and building that community is so much more than kind of the numbers game. However, I'm at the point where I'm nearly at 50,000 downloads and like what a success story that is and something that I'm really proud of um, and something I never thought that I would achieve. So, you know, I, I want to celebrate that. Um, I also want to celebrate the fact that Sanjay and I have now kind of combined forces and we've um, set up some masterclasses to teach other people about podcasting. I mean, how fortunate are we that we've got all this experience and knowledge that we can then kind of share with the world. Um, so that's really exciting for us. So yeah, tell me about the kind of major wins that you've had during your entrepreneurial journey. Like what are your favorite success stories so far? Yeah, so it's, like I said to you, it's been about three years uh, since I started creating content. Um, I started with really having on average about five people like a post uh, every day um, and that post would take about uh, 45 minutes to an hour to create um, but I was still happy with that so I then transitioned into teaching um, teaching on microfarm so I was already lecturing and I thought I should be doing more of that on microfarm I started with a urinary tract infection webinar I was delivering a webinar at work I thought it made sense to deliver that same webinar to my audience that initial webinar got about 20 to 25 people attend it. And then I realized that actually people are really interested in this. And I delivered that for free at the time. So I always say this when someone says, I want to, I want a paid course. I say, well, what have you done so far uh, that so that people know that you're actually valuable? Nothing. 
Well, how are people going to invest in you if they don't know what you provide? Um, so I really like the fact that you and Sanjay are doing these uh, masterclasses for free for people because people will realize the value that you can actually provide. So I started doing these free webinars. Over the past three years, we've taught three and a half thousand trainee pharmacists for free. Um, so with that, about a thousand of those are also investing in Microform and paying for a course. And the reason why I feel they do is because they know that there is some value to that. And the reason why they know there's some value to that is just by producing this free content for people to understand the value that you can provide. So that was a huge milestone. Um, and I'm looking to just increase that further. We've got lots of free sessions planned for the 2023 to 2024 foundation training year. And this is the first time that we're actually going to provide an opportunity that if you complete the course, you complete the questions and you don't pass, we give you your money back. We're that confident in what we provide. Another huge milestone that I just announced this morning is the fact that I've been attending a lot of these conferences with YouTube Health. And what I see over there, and this is this is not what I intended at the start. I never intended to be a representative for pharmacists. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I know you create something that's pharmacist diaries in terms of branding, but I actually didn't feel like a representative for pharmacists um, around the UK or around the world. And when I hear statements like that, I, I'm often taken aback, but I do realize that there is some value in being a pharmacist content creator and also highlighting what pharmacists do. And what I see at these YouTube health events is there's a lot of uh, medic and nurse representation, but not much uh, pharmacist representation. Um, there was actually only a few of us that are actually pharmacists um, at the event. So that's when I realized we need to be, first of all, we need to be showcasing what we do. And at the same time, we need people at YouTube Health to recognize what we do. So I pitched this idea to uh, Dr. Vishal Varani, who's the head of YouTube Health. I said I worked very closely with people who organize the pharmacy show and the Clinical Pharmacy Congress. And we have the pharmacy show that's uh, coming soon. Would you like to co-present with me? Would you like to showcase what YouTube Health are doing? And then I can showcase what I'm doing as a pharmacist content creator and why we need more pharmacist content creators. And he agreed. And we've managed to pull together an event and it's going to be held on October the 16th at the pharmacy show. And we have the head of YouTube Health coming to the pharmacy show to speak to you about why it's important to be a pharmacist content creator. And like I said to you, the representation at these events is small and it could absolutely grow. And it does, it's not a numbers game. That's the most important thing. There are many creators there that have a few hundred subscribers. Some have only a hundred subscribers. They are speaking at these events as well. It's not a, it's not a numbers game. If you feel like, oh, well, if I create this account, I won't be big enough for the next conference to even be invited. So what's the point? Absolutely not. Anywhere you are in terms of your journey, start to branch out, start to create content for others. 
this content can be extremely useful to members of the public as well. I have uh, members of the public that say to me when I educate them about medications, so I'll, I'll really simplify uh, how the medications work and some of the common side effects that they may experience with these medications. Some people actually identify that it's their medication that's causing that common side effect that they've been struggling with for weeks or months. This is the value that you can provide. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm hoping to increase pharmacist representation in the healthcare content space. Oh my God, I love that. I'm so excited. Can you imagine, like, what was it, what, what did it feel like when you emailed him, when you pitched this idea? Did you, because you already had, you've already obviously know him and you've got a bit of a relationship with him already, but did you, were you confident that he was going to say yes or were you thinking, I'm just going to do it and just see what happens? I, I was, I lacked so much confidence in this invitation that I didn't even, I haven't, book time off work for that particular speaking event because I was like there's no way that he's going to agree to this and at the same time it's going to be held at the NEC in Birmingham and he lives in London so I was like for a half an hour talk and then he he loved it he loved the idea and I, I think a lot of people assume that people don't want to be involved in these activities before you've even asked so if you don't ask, you don't get. That's what they say. And it's absolutely true. If you don't pitch the idea, nothing will come of it. So if there's any ideas that you have, if there's any if there's any people that you want to bring onto your podcast, have you reached out to them? Um, or is there a barrier where you say, oh, these people are too big to be on my podcast? pitch the idea and I'm excited to see. Yeah, no, I've I've absolutely found that that is, it was, let's say, a challenge in the first like few months. Like, oh, it's, my podcast is not really big enough. I mean, I've only got 10 episodes. If I reach out to Catherine Duggan's a great example, you know, the CEO of FIP, there's no way she's going to have time as a CEO to come onto my podcast and share her journey. And plus, I don't even know her. Will she say yes? And she said yes immediately. And then once that kind of happened, it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence to say, actually, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Who cares? It's cool. Move on to the next person who will give you the time and will give you that value and will give you the information that you're looking for in terms of your audience. So that point is really, really important in terms of the transition into entrepreneur life is that you've got to think outside the box, you've got to go out your comfort zone, and you've got to try and accept failure if it doesn't work and see it as a learning tool. And you've got to just go out there and give it your all. And we've been doing that now for several years, and it's working in our favor. And of course, we're not, I think, in social media, it comes across as we're both like really confident about what we're doing and what we're achieving and celebrating our success stories, um, which we do a lot of uh, through socials. Um, but there's been a lot of like personal hurdles that we've overcome during that time that we haven't really raised in in the eyes of the media. So, you know, hopefully this episode has been um, interesting for people to listen to. Um, we have kind of gone through those kind of early transition stages and the hurdles that we've overcome and shared the success that comes with it. So watch out for the last episode of the series, which is looking at the future of both of our brands. <laughs>